Ready? Our evening began in Peter Seychelles' comfortable study in his New York townhouse. Hello there, everybody. My name is Jim Shear, and welcome to the official, unofficial Beastie Boys podcast known as the Brew Ha Ha. On today's episode, I will be joined by the root down directin', lane driving, juice pimping Evan Bernard. Now, if you don't know, he directed the Beastie Boys root down music video. He was their cruise director for Lollapalooza 1994, and maybe this is the most important to Beastie Boys fans, he is shouted out on Get It Together. If you don't remember, let me remind you. To be shouted out on that classic, I can't even imagine... Now, I would give my left arm for a shout-out on B-Boys making with the Freak Freak or Flowin' Pros or some unknown B-side. But to be shouted out on Get It Together off of Ill Communication, you, you go, Evan Bernard. So before we speak with Evan, it is time for The Scoop. Never believe it, y'all. It's all. So, since the last time we spoke, the Beastie Boys have become New York Times best-selling authors. That's right. On the week that the Beastie Boys book was released, it was number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. Congratulations to the Beastie Boys. And since then, uh, the Beastie Boys book has been nominated for Audio Book of the Year at the Audi Awards. Now, if you don't know what an Audi Award is, uh, it's bestowed annually in the United States of America, and it recognizes outstanding audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. So hopefully, the Beastie Boys not only become, well, they, they already are New York Times bestselling authors, but hopefully they become Audi Award winners. So that is part of the scoop. Uh, This may not be Beastie Scoop related, but it kind of is. The band Bikini Kill, and you may know its front woman, Kathleen Hanna, she is married to the King Ad Rock. They decided to go out on a little tour. I guess it's not really a tour. They're playing two cities, Los Angeles and New York. But for me, this is huge news. And on the day that tickets went on sale... I was not near my computer. But fortunately, they announced new dates, and I will see Bikini Kill in the same theater that I saw the Beastie Boys do their book tour. So they are playing the Hollywood Palladium, Bikini Kill once again, April 25th, 26th, May 1st, and May 2nd. Uh, The May 1st show, not sold out yet. Every other show in the tour, tickets are gone. And then they will come to New York on May 31st at Brooklyn Steel, 
June 1st at Terminal 5, and then June 4th and June 5th at King's Theater in Brooklyn. Bikini Kill is back, and I can't wait to go see them. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that when Ad-Rock sees his wife out there performing live, in the thrill and the joy she gets from it, maybe, just maybe, he'll get the itch. We'll see. Um, Back to the Beastie Boys book. As I'm sure you noticed, the Beastie Boys did a whole bunch of press near the end of the year for their book, and I loved it. It looked like the Beastie Boys were enjoying themselves out on the road, and they finished the year with an appearance on the Jimmy Kimmel Show And uh, Jimmy Kimmel asked them if they're going to do any more book show dates. And they responded with this. Um, Are you going to do this show anymore or is that it? it, Are you doing any more live shows? There's uh, some You got to do it. For 2019. Do it because it it should be available. Maybe. Hmm? Makes sense. You've got a show. You've got the elements. And you've only played four cities. Go out on a tour. And then maybe that tour will inspire a musical tour. And there's some of you out there, I I know there are some of you out there who are like, Jim, just just let it be, okay? I I don't want the Beastie Boys to ever perform live again. It'll never be the same. All right. I I, I understand your point of view, but I also understand mine. There's There's something missing from life when you don't have a live Beastie Boys show. And then finally, in this scoop, the writer Jeff Gomez has penned a fictional sabotage novel. That's right. Go on your computer, well, go on your computer after this podcast. But once you're on Google, search sabotage novel. The writer, once again, Jeff Gomez. It's titled Triple Trouble. And it takes place in Los Angeles in 1978. And I'll read the first line. Three cops went looking for one of their own. What they found was sabotage. And that will do it for the scoop. When we come back on the brew, ha ha, I will be joined by Evan Bernard. Guarantee we bring the brew, ha ha. about doing stunt work is safety first. I learned that from Burt Reynolds himself because if you're not going to be safe, you're not going to be careful with the people around, the people who are in the vicinity watching you do a manly stunt and uh, you might hurt somebody. <laughs> we are back on the Brouhaha and I am now joined by music video director Lane Driver and former Beastie Boys juice pimp, the one, the only, Evan Bernard. Present. Congratulations Thanks, uh, uh, once again on your Super Bowl victory. <laughs> yep, thank you. World Thanks, Series victory, part. Super Bowl victory, although the Celtics did lose to the Lakers last night in a regular season game. I saw that. That was incredible. I was kind of... Um, I mean, I, I love Rondo, so I was excited to see him hit the game-winning shot. I mean, it was a great game. Yeah. You know? wasn't um, a, it wasn't a championship game. It was a, a regular season right. game. But if it makes anyone feel better, 
Boston did lose last night. To a Los Angeles professional sports team, which they <laughs> haven't really been doing as of late. That's been awesome. I mean, and the fact that we won, we beat both L.A. football teams just made it even more sweeter. <laughs> so, Evan, I want to start at the beginning. How did you enter into the Beastie Fold? So I was working, um, I graduated film school at Syracuse, and then I moved to New York. I I grew up in Boston, um, and I was working for this company called Hex Films as a freelance production assistant. They did a lot of early 90s hip-hop videos. Mm -hmm. And one of the directors there, Dave Perez, uh, Dave Shady Perez, um, great guy, great director, he did... uh, is probably best known work is the House of Pain jump around video. <clears throat> he was um, directing a video for the Beasties. He did Gratitude, mm-hmm. and um, I this production company was like my clubhouse. You know, if I wasn't working, we'd just be hanging out there watching edits, just getting on shooting the shit. And um, they were cutting. Shady was cutting the Gratitude video there, and Adam came in <clears throat> to supervise the edit. I, you know, I grew up a huge Beasties fan. And uh, so I was totally enamored of Adam. And I think I asked him, I asked him what egg rate on Mojo meant. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of laughed at me. And I was like, no, really, seriously, I thought about this. And this was, this was prior to some old bullshit being released. Yeah. So this, this was a legit question. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I knew. I mean, I was a punk rock kid from Boston. I, I was aware of them as a hardcore band. And I think after I discovered them with Cookie Puss, you know, releasing Cookie Puss, then I went back and sought out the hardcore album. Yeah, I was familiar with it. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. So he was probably uh, honored by this question instead of you asking about Fight for Your Right to Party. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he seemed to be tolerant of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he did answer it. Um, and then so um, Dave Perez Shady and I lived in the same building on Mott Street in Little Italy. And then Yauk coincidentally moved into the neighborhood kind of right around the corner. And so I'd be hanging out with Shady and then Shady would hang out with Adam. And as Shady would have it, I had dated a girl whose sister Adam had gone out with for a long time. So once I told him that, he kind of vetted me with him. And then it was, uh, I think it was between, they had finished, I believe they had finished touring for Check Your Head and they hadn't yet started recording ill communication. So he kind of had a lot of free time and, um, and he was into playing pickup basketball and that's all I was doing at the time when I wasn't working. So we would end up playing basketball together. It was really a friendship that was forged on the courts of the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So you guys played outside? (laughs) Yeah, for the most part we did. Yeah. We, uh, we would sometimes, a couple of times, um, Russell Simmons brought us to the, uh, the, I forget what it's called, the New York Men's Health Club. It's where they give out, you know, the uh, Heisman, uh, that sports club in Lower Manhattan. We'd play there sometimes. A couple times we Wait, would... Now, would you play go, with Russell? Yeah, I played with Russell a couple times, yeah. So was there was there ever any bad blood with the Beastie Boys and Russell Simmons post-License to Ill? Um, I mean, I think there was, but that was before my time, before I came into the fold. And I did ask, I remember asking Adam about that one, Adam Yow, 
about that because I was surprised. I was like, wow, you're friendly with this guy? Didn't he <laughs> like, rob what? you of millions of dollars? You're, you're playing he, at his sports club? This is okay? <laughs> and he said, I mean, he said something like, you know, I'll never do business with him again, but, you know, I'm, I'm friendly with him. Okay. He's funny. Uh, you know, I enjoy his company. I, I mean, I don't think they would hang. They would sort of run into each other. He would, he would take it out on him on the basketball court. <laughs> yeah, no, he wasn't a very physical player. <laughs> uh, but what's his name? Uh, Simmons had kind of, he, we had kind of like a, who did he call him? Oh, fuck. Was like, he looked like a player. Oh, fuck. I forget this guy's name. Um, Was it Sam Cassell? Thank you. Yeah, Sam Cassell. <laughs> we called him Sam Cassell. He, he, he does look like dribble. Sam Cassell, yeah. <laughs> He wasn't bad. I remember one time he uh, he was passing the ball, and I I jetted out and stole it and went for a layup. And he said, "I didn't think he could run that fast." <laughs> <laughs> now, at this point in time, were the other Beastie Boys playing the pickup games? No, um, I met them after that. Adam introduced me to them. They were in New York a lot at this time. It was I can't remember what they were doing in New York, but they seemed to be there a lot. And met them. I know eventually there was a, a pickup game formed at, at um, the public school that uh, Horvitz went to, and it's actually still running, it's still going on. But uh, I feel like that was after I was friendly with the other guys. Okay. I think I, yeah, I mean, I met them a handful of times. Mike, I think I hung out with, and then got hired to work on the Lollapalooza tour. And then, but I feel like I was. I was in. I, I, I can't really remember. I think it just kind of happened organically where I'd be hanging out with Adam and, um, you know, he'd take me around uh, when they would hang out. And, but do you remember the, the yeah. first time you met Ad Rock or Mike D? I remember I met Mike at a party, a uh, loft party, and Ad Rock, I don't remember the first time. And then prior to Lollapalooza, did you go out mm-hmm. west to G Sun at all? Yes, yeah, I did. Uh, why was I there? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember why I was out there, but uh, I feel like it was before then. I mean, I went uh, snowboard. Maybe it was when I went snowboarding. I went on a snowboarding trip out west, and then yeah, it was uh, wintering in Utah. And up, there was no snow where I was, and I saw a storm coming where he was. And uh, so I called him up, and I actually, I think I hitchhiked part of the way because there was no bus. There was no way to get, fly, or, you know, get from one place to another. So, yeah, in Colorado, I hitchhiked. So during this time period, did you ever think to yourself, whoa, I'm hanging out with MCA. I think think we might be boys. (laughs) Um. I mean, I was just psyched to hear stories. I was, you know, a big fan, so I, I was excited to hear um, stories about, you know, their early days in New York, which I had totally mythologized. Um, so I was psyched to hear about that. And, you know, with, hanging out with them, you got such access, you know, mm-hmm. in the city, going out. Anytime we wanted to, like, go to a club or a show, it was just like, not just riding on his coattails. I was like, <laughs> I was camping out on them. Um, what kind of what kind of shows would you guys check out? Maybe Fugazi. Well, I do remember one time 
uh, this is a little bit later, but I remember I took him uh, to the Rocksteady. Well, I suggested, hey, said, hey, let's go down to the Rocksteady Park reunion. Oh. They would do the kind uh, of like these old hip hop legends yeah. and uh, Rocksteady crew and other breakdancing crews would do the celebration every year. And I suggested, you know, we go up there, and it was actually there that he met uh, Mix Master Mike. Mix mm-hmm. Master Mike came up to him. So, so it's because um, of you. That not saying Master that, Mike. Not saying that. <laughs> not saying that. But how? But if I mean, you oh, if you didn't bring Yap to the party, then maybe that doesn't happen. <laughs> maybe possibly. Yeah. Enough. That's cool. Doors moment. Yeah. So then, Spend how the did moment. it? How did it come to be where you joined the Beastie Boys on the 1994 Lollapalooza tour? I was originally going to. Um, they were kind of starting a health conscious kick at this time. Uh, they wanted to be more conscious about what they ate. And they were actually trying to hire uh, a mutual friend. Somebody you know, introduced me to this guy, Hillary Snyder. Um, they were going to hire him to be their personal chef. And I was going to be Hillary's you know, prep cook. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Kurt Cobain died. And I somehow that affected the cost of, of what it would have cost. At least that's my memory. That... Um, you know, the cost of taking Hillary on the road. So they still wanted to do like, have like kind of a health conscious, you know, food there. And they decided to take this big vegetable juicer on the road. And so there was this other job formed, or maybe they he kind of created it for me where I would take somebody needed to like be a roadie for this uh, juice maker. <laughs> And he was like, uh, hey, you know, uh, do you want to come on the road, you know, and do this? And there, there was no sound check at Lollapalooza. So they, were, they also set up instruments in their dressing room. It was like, yeah, you'll do that. You'll make sure we get our rider. You'll, you know, set up a basketball net for us. I was sort of like cruise director is how it was originally <laughs> billed to me as. And actually, it's funny, I like struggled with it because at that time I was, I was sort of tail end of my uh, PA and career, and I was trying to make a jump to directing. And, you know, I thought to myself, God, this is, this is just, what am I doing? This is like summer camp, you know, I got to have to get my shit together. <laughs> and my parents actually were like, you should do this. Uh, uh, you know, what are you doing? Are you going to be a professional roadie? And, but then I asked Mario about it. And he was like, Mario Caldado, there, mm-hmm. you know, locked up <laughs> producer, otherwise known as Mario C. And, uh, he said to me, he's like, are you crazy? He's like, you know how many kids would kill the tour with the BC boys? Exactly, do and, yes. Yeah, and he was sort of the guy. I was like, yeah, of course, you're right. So, um, so yeah, so the summer of 94, I worked, I had different titles, Juice Pimp, Cruise <laughs> Director, and basically I would do that. I would, you know, make sure they got their rider. They had this big ruby red industrial juicer, which in hindsight was totally overkill. I could have just sufficed with like a regular store-bought thing, but then I guess I wouldn't be telling you the story. <laughs> and, th- and for those um, for those interested, there was an MTV news piece about the right. Beastie Boys juicing on Lollapalooza, so I'm sure you could look it up on YouTube. Yeah, it, it, is, uh, it is on YouTube. And you, Evan, you might have been in that news piece. I am. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so... the. I'd set up the vegetable juicer, uh, set up, I'd find like an area in the parking lot, set up a basketball net, and set up instruments in their dressing room for them. That, that was my... is cool. That was a fun summer. 
So a lot of take, yeah, take me through any Lollapalooza stories you have. I'd love to hear about the the basketball games, the Anthony Mason photo shoot. Did Billy Corgan, oh, yeah. did he actually dunk in combat boots? He did. I saw that. I did anybody that. get hurt? Uh, over, yeah. Was, I know, that, was that ever a concern? I, I, I maybe, I, I remember maybe later in the career, like I, I wanted to play basketball and the yeah, was like, oh, we're doing this. We're getting ready to tour or something. But at the time, I know it's crazy to think that they were allowed to do that, right? One spring finger or right. something. I don't remember any really, luckily, bad injuries or anything. Definitely okay. not to, to to the guys. But it was really like a, a focal point. You know, it was, it, it was good because there was no real central hang for all the bands. And and actually, the, the basketball net and the fact that the Beasties set up instruments in their dressing room, that would, was kind of like the clubhouse. And everybody would come through and jam. And then the same thing with the basketball net. Like on any given day, it'd be like Tribe Paul Quest, members of Parliament Funkadelic. Um, I remember the drummer for the Amps, Jimmy, I think his name was, was really good. And then there were second stage guys that came through. They, I remember the Guided by Voices guys, Rob Pollard <laughs> and his brother were insane. Like, well, they just, Rob they Pollard were, was an athlete in college. Yeah, I found that out later. Yeah, yeah, they were insane. They were they. they <laughs> First ballot Hall of Fame, '94. <laughs> Lollapalooza uh, All Star Team. And for those that um, don't know, the Lollapalooza tour was, for the most part, taking place in these cookie cutter amphitheaters. So God right, bless yeah. the Beastie Boys for having the foresight to have a, a backstage jam out in a basketball court. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Much needed distraction. Yeah, that was kind of crazy about that summer. It's like you would drive, you know, for hours. You end up and you're convinced, you know, you're in the exact same place you just were. <laughs> and everybody there, they're one day to totally cut loose. So it's just a complete carnival atmosphere. I really, you know, that Hello Cleveland or that cliche of a rock band forgetting where they are. It's really, uh, I, yeah, I saw it firsthand. Now, take, tell me about the Anthony Mason photo shoot. For those that don't know, he was a, a power forward for the New York Knicks and he was doing a piece for Slam Magazine. Yeah, that's right. They, the Beasties had name-dropped him, right? Isn't he in, mm-hmm. in the... Twice, America? yeah. He's twice on ill communication. That's right, yeah. So Slam Magazine organized a pickup game between Anthony Mason and his friends and the Beasties in uh, Philly. And, um, yeah, so he came through and, and played pickup. And I, I actually... So he played the Beasties, um, and I got in a game, and... I, I wrote about this. Or maybe it's posted on Facebook. Um, I was trying to box him out, <laughs> and he put his hand behind him and tickled me, like <laughs> right in my, you know, like uh, love handle. <laughs> I was like, "Do you do that in games?" He's like, "That and anything else that can get me an advantage." <laughs> uh, and then after, so after the. Um, games, he went and took uh, a dump in the Beasties tour bus, which is uh, you're not supposed to do. No. Because, yeah, you're always deuced at the venue because that turd just stays with you. Mm-hmm. And it did. They were smelling Anthony Mason for a good couple <laughs> weeks after. <laughs> after that. It's an unwritten yeah, rule. You don't poop in the tour bus, and if you do, you have to do it with the plastic bag and then throw it out outside of the tour bus. Ah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. 
during that summer, I, you know, I, I, one of the other reasons I decided to do it, I was like, okay, I'll go on this tour and I'll shoot a bunch of Super 8 footage of all the bands and cut it into a, a spec reel and try to get something going that way. And so I did that. I shot a bunch of Super 8 footage and I have some Super 8 footage of that uh, Anthony Mason game. And then after the tour was over, back in New York, I was just cutting it together. And Yauk, I showed it to Yauk, and he mentioned that they were thinking about doing a video for Root Down, and he thought that um, maybe some of this footage could work for that. And then I pitched an idea to him where I said, well, you know, based on the song, it should be kind of an homage to old school New York. And, you know, you could show, like, do like a rostrum thing of the uh, old subway map, find file footage of, you know, graffiti writers, breakdance crews. And uh, he seemed receptive to that. So I, I made a spec video. I just like rented Wild Style and whatever, mm-hmm. uh, Style Wars. And I got some old Knicks footage and I just cut it into a spec video and showed that to him. And he liked it and he said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, let, let's, you know, actually on my birthday in 1995, I got the official award. Wow. The best, yeah, best birthday gift ever. Now was it in that point at that point in time was MTV putting the director's name on the videos? Yeah. Oh, it worked, yeah. see, <laughs> yeah, going on the tour <laughs> paid off, Evan. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean that was really the, the genesis of my directing career. But um, anyway, I had called. I knew Stash, his graffiti writer, Josh. Um, and I asked him. I was like, "Hey, would you know of anybody who has any old school like?" Uh, home video uh, graffiti footage and he connected me to a guy who did like a graffiti magazine whose name I can't remember and he said oh he's like this guy Tracy 168 who's like a seminal old school you know original graffiti artist has uh, some super 8 footage of him bombing trains in the in the 70s and he's like I've, I've tried to get it from him and I've never been able to and so he gave me his number, and I was aware of who Tracy 168 was. You know, I grew up in Boston. I would sort of just devour any. I was into hip-hop culture, and I remember seeing Wild Style when it played at the Coolidge Corner movie house, and apparently Tracy 168 had tagged the side of the, um, you know, movie theater, and I was just <laughs> obsessed with that. So I was aware of him, you know, all the big names, Futura and the Rocksteady crew. You know, these were my sort of, Idols, and through that job, I got to meet all of them because I ended up like, so I ended up getting this footage from Tracy 168, which is just him, his home Super 8 videos of him bombing trains in the 70s with some other graffiti writers. And then I also got some home Super 8 of the Rocksteady Cruise manager, who I, Henry Chalfant would kind of work mm-hmm. as a photographer. He, you know, worked as their de facto manager. And so he licensed that for me as well. And so I had to meet them to get their, you know, sign off on it. At one point, there was some old 70s NBA footage in that. And I had to get uh, Clyde Frazier's <laughs> agreement. You know, I had to get him to sign a uh, talent release. Dave DeBusher, there was another guy I met um, who made me pay him 50 bucks to sign this <laughs> other <laughs> It was so petty. Fuck, I can't remember who it was. <laughs> but Clyde Frazier, I just went up to a, at halftime of the game. You know, he called the, the next yeah. game. I can't believe I, I did this. I, it's like, hey, I want you to be in this BC's video. Will you sign this legal document right here? And he just kind of, I guess he was used to talent releases. And, you know, I explained to 
became what it was, and uh, amazingly, he signed it. But uh, in the end, the NBA uh, wouldn't uh, give us the footage. They really gave me the the runaround. So somewhere, is there an editor's cut of Root Down? I have that, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's on my, like, I send that out. Well, not anymore, really. My favorite part of the video, I forget (laughs) what lyric it hits on, but... (laughs) Two of the Beastie Boys are in sync. It almost looks like a mirror image. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think they're both pointing down at the same time. Yeah, the, you see it? both of their profiles, and it just it's edited yeah. perfectly. You placed it perfectly. I'm like, ooh, that's that's the money shot right there. Yeah, I think I'm aware of the shot because I watch that sort of generously because that's all you know, not sync. We just had to steal bits and pieces to make it appear right. As I was saying, luckily they're, you know, the way they held their mics, they're blocking their mouths for the most part. Mm-hmm. A lot of that footage was also shot by um, Ricky Powell, who was kind of a de facto tour photographer. And he was uh, with them throughout Lollapalooza? Yeah, he was on Lollapalooza. Boy, was he. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have any Ricky Powell stories about Lollapalooza 94? I mean, so that guy, so many. That guy is would, you, would you like hilarious. to share one of those? Uh, I mean, he, so they had him on tour. Uh, so he had one thing to do, which was to get their luggage, which was numbered, off of the bus and to the correct rooms. And inevitably, he would fuck it up, you know. <laughs> and uh, I remember he, I remember this, uh, the tour manager at the time was this guy, Wilt, who was like, you know, right out of uh, rock tour manager central casting. I think he had toured with uh, Led Zeppelin, English guy, beard, <laughs> gray. And he was, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, telling Ricky he's fucking up and, uh, <laughs> you know, he's got to get it together. And Ricky was <laughs> going back to him and I can't remember what. Ricky Powell's like, there's that. a song named after me on the album, Ricky's theme. No, uh, he was just trying to call a plea and he said something like, um, you know, he said, well, uh, Wilf was like, well, you know, you left the bags out and they weren't in the right thing. And Ricky was like, well, you know, he's kind of trying to turn it on him. He said, uh, well, you know, you saw it. Couldn't you have done something? He's like, is it, a, is it my job to do that? Is, is, <laughs> is it a rule that I should do that? And Ricky was like, no, but uh, how about the unruled, unwritten rule of looking out? <laughs> and whole, I mean, kind of had to be there because it was so tense. That uh, was like a catchphrase uh, around our social circus for a long time. The unwritten rule of looking <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> what, what else went down at Lollapalooza '94? Um, was there any interaction down? with the tribe called Quest? Any oh, yeah, yeah, George Clinton tight. stories. Um, yeah, so Tribe, they would always be hanging. I think they were, they got Tribe on the tour. That was one of the people they really wanted on the tour. Um, George Clinton, not really. You didn't see him too much. Although I remember the first day in Vegas, first show, I was setting up the dressing room. And I wasn't aware that the guitarist from, from Funkadelic uh, played in the full wedding gown. <laughs> and he came in he wanted to introduce himself to the B-seasoners before they arrived and this guy just shows up at a full wedding <laughs> and I just started laughing he's like I know I know <laughs> this is um, this is my thing <laughs> yeah there wasn't too much cross-pollinization there except they had their trumpet player played ball a lot he was great he was good he had a good outside shot 
what else? I mean, there were so many good bands on that. Like second stage at Farside, Luscious Jackson was on there. Um, I mean, it was such did a Kate, great lineup. Did Kate ever do anything with the Beastie Boys at Lollapalooza '94? Like perform with them yeah. or anything? I don't remember. I don't think so. I remember they would go and a couple times check out their show. I remember Yak would get in. Uh, he would get in disguise. <laughs> he would get caught them to go through the crowd. Do you remember what his disguise uh, was? It was like a trucker hat and a long curly haired wig <laughs> and and like Elvis glasses, I think. <laughs> but it it didn't really uh, fool too many people. One of the really cool things on that tour, I remember, is um, the the opening band that which go on at like eleven a.m. You know, to at basically an empty house was replaced halfway through, and I think it was predetermined with Green Day. Mm-hmm. who had, through the course of that summer, had released their album and just completely blown up. So that was really cool to be there and see that. They were still touring in like a converted bookmobile that uh, I think the drummer's Trey's dad um, converted into a, a van. And so these venues you were talking about, that sheds they were called, amphitheaters, um, you know, the first section is all designated seats. And then beyond that is kind of general admission, just a, a field. And those were the cheaper tickets. Mm-hmm. And so those were like, you know, the kids. So Green Day would get on stage at 11 and all the fans who bought general admission, the, the, the field would be packed and the seats would be like, <laughs> there'd be a smattering of people. And I remember one time, I think one of the first times they played Billy Joe said, come on down. And people just fucking rushed. And it was just complete mayhem. And uh, I think they almost got cited, almost got arrested for, uh, you know, whatever, eliciting panic mm-hmm. or whatever it was. But that was just cool. They had, um, there was real kinship with them in the BCs. They forged their friendship. They were always hanging out in the dressing room playing and just really a lot of fun. Because at the 1994 MTV Video Music Awards, they played on the same stage. Green Day played yeah. and then it twisted around to reveal the Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That came at the end of the tour, and that what felt like the, uh, I don't know, like senior ball, you know, prom <laughs> after the end of. Uh, now camp is that or something. is that where you met Green Day? <laughs> I met them on that tour. Yeah, yeah, because I they would come in and jam. Like the Beasties would show up later in the afternoon, and Green Day was on first thing, so they'd be hanging out. So they'd come in and jam with like other band members. Uh, L7 was hanging out a lot. It was really like a, a clubhouse. So Because um, a few years later, you directed one of my favorite Green Day music videos. Oh, nice Guys Finish Last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met them on that tour. And uh, yeah, it was through that that I, I got that job. Yeah, well, well done. Well played. Thanks. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah, go back to Ill Communication. Where mm-hmm. were you the first time you heard Get It Together? Because uh, yeah, within so, that song, yeah. MCA raps, I don't think I'm slick, nor do I play like I'm hard, but I'm going to drive the lane like I was Evan Bernard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was at Utah. I don't remember. I think it was that trip that I mentioned before. I don't know if the timing's right. I, I went a couple times to Utah. Um, and we were driving and they were doing, you know, they had demos for the album and you know, I was like, Oh, I'll check out the song. When I, I want you to hear the song and he played it and I was just like, Oh shit. <laughs> 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 you know, it didn't tell me at all. 
you know, blown away, honored, uh, thought it was hilarious. And Because yeah. not only are you shouted out on a Beastie Boys song, which is the ultimate dream, but you're shouted out on an all-time great Beastie Boys song. Not slow ride about, or flowing pros. You're on Get It Together. And it's about my basketball prowess. Yes. Right. <laughs> so did you did you I'm drive not, the lane a lot while you were playing basketball? I did. Yeah, that was kind of my my signature <laughs> move. I was fast at the time and didn't have a great outside shot, but I could get to the hoop, and that's kind of <laughs> what I was known for. And Flash, then uh, when ill communication finally came out. What did all of your friends and family think? Um, yeah, I mean, my friends back in Boston, who I grew up with, were blown away because we all grew up just such hardcore Beasties fans, you know, and like all fans trying to decipher, who's that? You know, the reference, who's that person? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was amazing. Because I remember the first time I heard it, I thought, is that like an old Nick or something? Like yeah, Evan, yeah. <laughs> Evan, Evan Bernard? And then I remember the Root Down music video came out. I'm like, oh, Evan Bernard's a, a, a video director. And then I started mm-hmm. piecing it all together. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's who Evan yeah. Bernard is. Yeah. What did somebody, uh, my wife went to, I was out of town, unfortunately, but when Yao passed, she went to, there was a memorial held, formal thing. And she said she heard somebody, mm-hmm. they, uh, they did a kind of, uh, almost like a fanzine, uh, Horowitz's wife, Kathleen Hanna, put it together. And I had written something and included some photos. And my wife said she heard somebody like looking at it and saw my name at the end and the bottom of it. And she, and the, the person, whoever it was, said, oh, Evan Bernard? Oh, that's a real person. <laughs> <laughs> so one, one more question about Lollapalooza 1994. Yeah. I was at two of the tour stops the first time I ever saw the Beastie Boys in my life was at the Polaris Amphitheater in Columbus, Ohio. And to this day, it was the craziest concert that I've ever been to, where people were ripping off barricades, surfing those through the crowds with people on top of it, and then people had their picnic blankets out, and they were launching their friends up in the air. So as you looked across the sea of people, you saw 50 to 100 people flying through the sky while the Beastie Boys were tearing it up on stage. So do you remember, yeah, by chance, that I, famous show? I do, I do, yeah. Um, the, the picnic blanket thing you're talking about was pretty standard throughout the tour, but okay. the <laughs> breaking down the metal barriers and surfing them was unique to that, and that was <laughs> complete mayhem. And I was right there. I was actually filming. It's great. I have footage of that. Um, and there's, I remember one altercation in particular where these big security guards grabbed this tiny raver kid and threw him to the ground and then got him in a chokehold and just incredible footage of it. I was right there. And actually I cut some of that footage along with, uh, some of the Anthony Mason, um, you know, pickup game footage and, and, uh, footage of the beasties playing, you know, hardcore sets, uh, into a video for tough guy that, uh, was never released. I showed it, I cut it together, showed it to you out and, he got it glamorized or celebrated like mosh culture a little bit, which they were trying to, they thought had gotten a little jockey and were trying to disassociate themselves from. But yeah, that was, I thought a fucking full scale ride was going to break out. And I actually, after I filmed that fight, I ran backstage and I yelled for Yauk. I called him over and I told him, I was like, you got to tell them to chill out back there. It's getting ugly. 
Yeah, that but was, yeah, the, that was... The, cl- the closest to anarchy I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I, I yeah. knew I knew that you had footage of it because when the Root Down music video was released, because I was such a hardcore Beastie Boys fan, I saw what they were wearing, and I'm like, yes, that's what they wore in Columbus. So this is this is actually footage from the Polaris oh, Amphitheater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sorry. where where oh. is all of that footage right now? I um, I have it on like three quarters, but I do have a cut of that um, Top Guy video. I've tried to post it before, like on YouTube or Facebook, but it got bounced back because of copyright issues. Do you have a Vimeo account? Uh, yes, I do. I, could you? I, I don't. Could you post it on post Vimeo? It on yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Because that, yeah, you showed that at MCA Day. Yeah, and it's it's a great video, and I understand why Yauk didn't want it, you know, released back then. But if yeah. you did release it as a video, would that have been a proper Beastie Boys music video? I think so. I mean, they weren't releasing; they weren't doing that as a single. There was no like call for a video. But you know, they always did those video compilations right. at the end. They would they would cut and shoot original stuff for that. So yeah, potentially. I don't know. I just did it because I had you know all this footage that was of them playing instruments that I used a little bit of it of uh, uh, yeah playing the stand-up bass and, and root down but yeah I was just mostly doing it for myself um, so in, with your super 8 footage was there any audio attached to it or is it just video no I did go around with like a little dictaphone and recorded some interviews and stuff um, but I never I, I think the plan was like when I was just going to do a spec kind of thing I think the plan was to do like a little blase documentary. Um, I don't know where that stuff is, but no, there was no Super 8 sound. And then how did your life change after Lollapalooza 1994? Because you became a huge music video director at the end of the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, you know, the Beasties at the time had Grand Royal, they had a record label, and they had a ton of heat on them. And, um, so I, Mike, who was most involved in the, uh, the record label hired me to do videos for their other, a couple of their other bands. Uh, I think the first one I did was for Noise Addict, Ben Lee's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, pre-teen punk band, um, and Buffalo Daughter. And then, and I was actually later in a, a group that got signed to, Grand Royal called Butter 08, which was a side group of Chivo Motto. Uh, well, you, were, you were in Butter 08? I mean, I came out and sang two songs in the Yoda mask. I was on, <laughs> I'm on the album. Uh, and I, I toured with them and was paid for it and toured Japan and have a stamp in my passport that's a, an entertainer visa. So <laughs> there is paperwork to prove <laughs> that I and my talent is not what got me there but um yeah so i i you know did uh, videos for grand royal and uh, i think i did one for money mark too i mean i know i did one but i don't remember the timing of that you know those videos got me oh, i think actually off of doing um root down after that i did uh, a blues explosion video with beck and yeah i think that was the second video i did beck it was called Flavor. We did kind of a spoof of uh, the Run DMC Aerosmith Walk This Way video. And I did that, and then that got me representation. And, you know, like I said, the Beasties had so much heat on them at the time that other people saw that, and I got hired to do other videos, and that kind of 
segued into commercial work, um, actually in the UK first, and then that segued into commercial work uh, back in the States. Yeah, the late 90s, mm-hmm. you directed some some of the best music videos of that time. You did New America oh. from Bad Religion, right? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That and that was, was with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. that was with the action figures. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a boy <laughs> commercial. Shot by Matthew Labatique, who's like the biggest DP now. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. you did um, Boys in the Hood from Dynamite Hack. That's right. Yeah, uh, that nice guys finished last film. from Green Day. I have a question yeah. about Minority from Green Day. Mm-hmm. That one's yeah. done on a parade float, and that was curious yeah. to me because on that same album. Green Day had a song called Macy's Day Parade. That's right. Yeah, I think it was just a coincidence. Okay. I remember Billy Joe telling me about that. When we were, like, hashing out ideas, I mentioned this idea of, like, doing a parade to nobody. Because I thought that's what the song was celebrating, kind of like, you know, I want to be the sort of the out outcast. So, um, uh, yeah, and he mentioned, oh, he's like, oh, like, maybe we have a another song on that album Macy's Day Parade so thematically it kind of works so pure coincidence though yeah Uh, you did you get what you want from the new Radicals who did not last long yeah yeah he was not comfortable with um, his star status I think he's a very talented songwriter he's actually a huge songwriter now he's written like a ton of hits like pretty much any pop song you hear that has a really high note in it you know kind of break high note break it's probably written by him yeah his name's Um, greg alexander and he had one big hit in the 90s you get what you give and then he's like i I don't want to do this anymore and then he just became a songwriter yeah he was even then he was just not comfortable with you know being the center of attention he was a bit awkward and then you did scooby snacks from fun loving criminals yeah which unfortunately got remade (laughs) <laughs> I think that was only released in in the in Europe, which uh, although now they're like they're they continue to have a huge career in Europe, and I I like to think you know I had a small very small part in that. Of course, I you reconnected. Do. Yeah, reconnected with them a couple of years back. Now I was in Moscow directing a commercial as you do, and uh, <laughs> they were there, and I had reached I reached out to them and hung out with them and. Uh, yeah, they're great guys. Huey, yeah, one of their songs popped up on one of my playlists not too long ago, "Bomb in the L," and I thought, oh yeah, mm, yeah. these, yeah, these yeah. guys weren't bad. And then one of my later Evan Bernard favorites, although I do, I, I love Isle Ten from Scapegoat Wax, and mm-hmm. that's how we first talked to each other. That's right. Because yeah, I, I, I was hosting an episode yeah. of 120 Minutes, and there was a video from the Cato Salsa Experience. And I said something to the effect of, I I remember the first time I spoke to Evan Bernard. Who wouldn't? (laughs) And the video had footage of a security camera. And I said, this is the first time I ever saw a a music video use that technique. And uh, a day or two later, I got a call at my office from one Evan Bernard. And you said, no, why don't you check out aisle 10 from (laughs) Scapegoat Wax? I was using the security cam before Cato Salsa Experience. (laughs) Yeah. Very petty of me, but hey, we met each other. No, and, and that music video is beautiful. I yeah, think, I like that one. I think anytime you shoot in a grocery store, just the lighting is perfect. Kind of true. You're right. Yeah. Now, and, do you uh, have a, a favorite music video that you directed? Um, 
I mean, it's got to be root down because that, you know. Okay, so let's take let's take root down off the table. Oh, okay. Uh, Soul wax, e talking. Are they like a DJ squad? They're Belgium. Yeah, they're also known as the two brothers. Too many, too many uh, DJs. Too many DJs. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, that I think is my favorite. I think I had pitched the idea as a short film uh, to some. There was some HBO series that was doing documentary or little shorts on dance music culture, and I pitched this idea of like a Sesame Street film of an A to Z of drug use. So you'd have you'd see people in the club, you know talking and then based on their conversation, like a letter would pop up, you know, if somebody was seeing colors, it would pop up and they would pop up followed by acid. And, uh, so they had a song called e-talking and I had previously done a video that for them for a song called much against everyone's advice that they really liked. And so, yeah, they commissioned me to do this. And I, I thought, Oh, maybe this idea could work for that. That's the video. The so, A to Z of drug use. I kind of, I kind of pitched it as like the spinal tap of, dance music culture. <laughs> so after this yeah. podcast, everyone can go on YouTube and search E's Talking, that's E apostrophe S Talking from Soul Wax. Yeah. Uh, I also we're... like um, Disco Lies from Moby, where you oh, have yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. chicken turning the table yeah. <laughs> on the, the humans. And uh, the yeah. Beastie Boys delivered Colonel Sanders down to Davy Jones' locker in that music video, you deliver Colonel Sanders to a platter. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was shot in Mexico City. That was a fun job. I did uh, a couple videos for Moby through the years. Because I remember um, interviewing Moby when that video dropped, and I said, "Well, you know, back in the day, this would never get on MTV." He's like, "Yeah, but we don't have to worry about MTV anymore. We can do whatever <laughs> the heck we want now." Yeah, and the, but you don't get as many eyeballs. I, I do. I mean, that was a fun time, you know late 90s and it's specifically like 120 minutes like I would watch that every night and yo MTV raps and mm-hmm. all that all that had like a real kind of campfire effect because you knew you know other people this is where you saw you know new music for the most part uh, there weren't a ton of sources out there now and, are you still um, doing they, music videos no I did what, uh, what was the last one I did I don't remember it's been a while it might have been a Moby video with uh, the singer of the Flaming Lips. Is that the last? Uh, yeah, no, it's just, uh, there's no, you know, the budgets are tiny. Yeah. And you, it's, got to be, it's basically a passion project, but it has been a while, yeah. Now, what, um, what, are, you up to, what are you up to these days? Mostly uh, commercial work, um, for the most part, you know, commercial and, and web content for brands. Mm-hmm. With, with something and recent you've worked on? I did something for Holiday and Express and uh, also did, oh, I did a promo like for the start of the NBA season that was a cross-promotion for the Grinch with J.R. Smith and uh, a couple other guys, Joel Embiid, and um, I just did something for the Florida Lottery as well. Before you leave, a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank you because for me... You saved the Criterion Collection. Uh, yeah, right? Those guys came with nothing. I was so, so I, I, am, yeah. I am a Beastie nut. That's why I do a yeah. Beastie Boys podcast. And I get it that, you know, they joke and they never really give a serious answer. But I thought on their DVD anthology, they would take me into their music videos. So I'm listening to the commentary and I'm like, 
They're just goofing. But then fortunately, yeah. there's a, another channel of audio where you interview the Beastie Boys and you sort of guide the ship. And I thought, Evan Bernard has saved this for me. So I have to say, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, th- yeah. thanks for that. Yeah, it was me, um, Spike Jones, and Adam Yao. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love the... I don't watch them as much anymore, but the commentary for films. And I would hate when people would just uh, kind of say what they were seeing. It's like, oh, yeah, we shot this, Ben. <laughs> like, no, give me, like, motivation. Give me backstory. I mean, Spike Jones too. That's seminal yes. director. Just... Uh, I guess, you know, you just... So did they, did they approach you? Did they say, hey, Evan, we want you to talk to us to sort of be a traffic cop while we talk through these videos? Yeah, I think he, rather than getting individual directors just to talk through it, um, he, yeah, he wanted me and Spike. Um, you know, I was friendly with Spike and Adam. We're all friends. So, yeah, I think he maybe wanted it more conversational. And I actually, I told him as we were doing it i was like i love the hey ladies video on that director adam bernstein he's directed some of my favorite music videos and i was like you gotta have adam bernstein you know talking about this it's so deep with references and so they turned that into calling him like prank phone calling him which (laughs) then they did for dave perez shady who did the gratitude video who (laughs) full circle was how i met uh adam and uh Shady was not too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little bummed. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I no no control over recovery. Because I remember the, for the So What You Want music video, a lot of your comments, by the way, throughout that commentary echoed mine. Because you said, oh, this is yeah. such a cool video. It's a, it's a hip-hop video, but it's not in the street. It's out in the woods. And I think that's so cool. And I'm like, yes, amen, Evan Bernard. <laughs> yeah, I wrote something for uh, the Surf Magazine. Uh, what's it called? Well, no. Uh, Jesus Christ. Although that would be surf a good magazine. name. That would be a good it's name for of, a surf magazine, Swell. Yeah, kind of square shaped. Uh, and, well, anyway, uh, they did a, I think they did a Check Your Head. Um, wasn't it just an anniversary of Check Your uh, Head? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was the 25th anniversary a couple years yeah. ago. Oh, this is a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. No, this is. Uh, yeah, it was maybe a couple of years the, ago. Maybe it was ill communication. There was some reason, there's some anniversary, and so they deep dove. Um, and I did a thing. I, I did like kind of a quick analysis of all the um, uh, Yalk or Hornblower directed music videos. And yeah, you would be a flood. Flood, flood, flood yeah, flood. flood magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Juxtapose so, did one a couple years prior to that, and then Flood did yeah. one for Check Your Head. Yeah, I think Joey Garfield uh, was a director and friend and would also play in that basketball uh, pickup game. And I think he's mentioned in some com- one of the Beasties commentary, either that music video commentary or maybe some, they did some album commentary, too, where apparently Horvitz had just come from playing basketball with Joey Garfield. And <laughs> Joey Garfield is the octopus monster. Oh, uh, in uh, intergalactic, in and <laughs> and I think Yelp mentions that, and uh, Adam Horowitz is like, yeah, I don't want to talk about Joey Garfield right now. <laughs> yeah, my heart was broken in the check your head audio commentary when they remastered it because it came on, <laughs> and then Yelp said, 
I got to go get some tea right now. You guys talk about this song. Uh, <laughs> no! Oh, and by the way, maybe you should have written the Beastie Boys music review for their book. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I mean, a... I thought it was charming because uh, it was a- Amy. I mean, she's, you know, such a great, funny personality. But yeah, I mean, as far as like, wanting to, a, tr- a real fan wanting to glean information from it um that didn't really achieve that and i would i would direct you to my flood magazine as like an addendum to that there you go yeah amy <laughs> poehler wrote a, a a review of each beastie boys music video in their book and for my favorite music video of all time not just my favorite beastie boys music video of all time she wrote smoke weed smoke weed smoke weed smoke yeah weed. yeah yeah <laughs> damn it amy yeah Hey, speaking of the book, did you uh, have you read the book yet? Yeah, I listened to it. I listened to it and okay. I perused the uh, the written one. I, I think I read the parts that don't really translate well to the uh, the audio version, like the graphic novel, the photos, Spike's photos, mm-hmm. the recipes. I haven't yet. I fast forwarded through the Hornblower chapters on the audio book, and I haven't yet uh, gone back and and read them yet, but. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I, I listened to your podcast, your review of it. I love what you said about it, where it's uh, broad strokes with a thin brush. Yes. That, that, yeah, that totally nailed it. And my favorite Beastie era is probably between Check Your Head and Hello Nasty. Mm-hmm. And I felt they just not... skimmed through that. Yeah, it's funny. My, mine is like, you know, I guess it's the stuff I didn't know, you know, in the early days of New York, which is really a ton of that. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think maybe that was just sort of a seminal period, you know, where they're forming their identity. And then kind of after that, it's, it's not really, they're successful. They continue to be successful. They continue to do great work. I mean, I guess there's a bit of a transition between check your head and no communication because that's like kind of them reclaiming the throne. Right. Um, but after that, it was sort of, there was stuff in their personal life, but, I don't know. I thought it, uh, I was satisfied with it, but I, I could understand how like diehard people who want just kind of facts and information. And, you know, they were, I mean, it's, it's appropriate though. Cause I know they always, you know, I had asked you know, in the past about, uh, why don't you guys do a documentary? So why don't you let me do a documentary? Of yeah. you? He was just never a fan of, he's like, what are we going to do? Just, tell people what happened. He's like, Those are, that's boring to him. And they actually, at one point, were approached to do a behind the music and they said, we'll do it, but we want to fictionalize it. And they wrote up a whole <laughs> uh, fucking hilarious uh, fictional behind the music. There was one thing in it where, uh, I guess in the Ario Speedwagon, one doesn't uh, <laughs> singer become immune to light or something or like allergic to light. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No. There's something he can't be on stage. Uh, hypersensitive to light. So they had that. They said in their documentary, yeah, uh, Mike became really, like, you know, sensitive of light. Coincidentally, <laughs> at the same time, Yao became addicted to light. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that actually, they developed that into a of a movie that was never made. I think Spike was going to direct it. It was kind of like a, uh, you know, The Monkey's Head? Have you ever seen that? The Monkey's Movie Head? No. Yeah. It's very, seek it out. It's uh, very bizarre. 
And so, yeah, they wanted to do something, something like that. But, Speaking of uh, movies, I, were they going to do a full-on sabotage movie? No, I never heard that. Okay. And you would have known because you were hanging around them at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, they did that Chow uh, L.A. kind of fake morning show. Wasn't that one of their video compilations? Yeah. Did you did you get to see Mike and Adam during the uh, the book show tour? I did. I loved it. Yeah, I thought that was great. I I thought it was hilarious. But did you get to one. did you get to talk to them at all? Very briefly, Mike. Afterwards, I uh, just gave him props and thanked them. And the one one thing that I thought was great about that is like I knew Yauk would have loved it. It was like showing his wheelhouse, mm-hmm. you know, because like I said, he was always against sort of like the biopic or the autobiography or documentary. I think, um, yeah, I think that's reflected in the book too. It's, that's why I like it. It's like anecdotes. I mean, besides the early days, that's sort of more historical, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. The other stuff is more just kind of anecdotal and you learn things through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that really fit them. I feel like they could probably do five more books like that, you know? Oh Yeah. Do you think they'll do more book shows? I think so. Yeah, I think maybe. I mean, they, it makes sense. You have the show down, yeah. and they only—I I think they only hit four cities. Yeah, I think they should. I think maybe there is some. I've, I've heard some things. That, that, do you? That, do you? How do you see the Beastie Boys continuing on in the future? I don't know. I I know there is, and this has been reported a lot. There is a lot of reported music that hasn't been released. Actually, I guess I did a song. Uh, I'm hoping this, this sees the light of day one day, but I did. It's when they were doing punk songs and I was, you know, in butter at the time. And I do a I sing a sing finger quotes, uh, a punk song and that. And I reported a song with them uh, called, I think it was called adult swim. Uh, <laughs> And it was kind of a metaphor of like country club, uh, you know, culture, sort of not wanting to be elitist. And I mean, it was a goof, but. Um, so was that yeah, during a Glio Leo? I think so. Yeah, that would make sense. And this was I before was the- Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I know, I know, yeah. Always sure. ahead of the curve. <laughs> so how would, yes. how would their music now get released? Would Mike and Adam have to powwow? Probably, right? They'd have to go through... uh, I mean, this is... Don't they talk about this in the book, too? That when they were record, they would just let it run. Right. And then they would find pieces they like. But I I think that's full recorded songs, I believe. I mean, I know there's that one. That punk song. Um, But anytime it's brought up, they talk it down. They said, oh, no, it's just shit. Nobody would want to hear it. Well, I mean... Yeah, it's like all stuff that didn't make the cut for one reason or another. So be all sort of like, you know, second tier material. But I'm sure I could I could see that one day being released. You know, would, would, they, would they do it? I don't know. I mean, there'd have to be some motivating factor like money. Sure, <laughs> or yeah. no, I don't I know. I don't know. I... I wish they would, right? I hate the fact. I mean, that was what was so great. And I think you said in your podcast, like, 
going to a show with Mike and Adam on stage, a Beastie's thing. That was so awesome. I mean, it's been, you know, so dormant. They've just been so inactive before the book, even like their website, like they haven't posted anything, you know, for years, right? I believe. Yeah, because I was hoping that doing this book tour and doing all the press they did, and it looked like they had fun doing the press, that this might encourage them or push them forward to do something. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I know the book was a ton of work and took forever and took on different incarnations. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of, uh, you know, exhaustion from that. I've kind of heard. So, um, but yeah, I mean. Could you and Mario C. have an intervention with them? And you can you say, I'm going to direct a film for you guys. And yeah, then yeah. <laughs> um, a documentary, and then Mario C is going to put out all of your unreleased material. Uh, no, <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work like that. But if Mario would be the guy. He'd be the the person to call through it because he would probably know it better than anybody. I wanted to ask you something. Um, I know I said I have one more question for you, but it always turns into ten more questions. Uh, yeah, a couple no, of years fine. ago, uh, the Beastie Boys had their song "Sabotage" in a video game commercial. And it was yeah, understood yeah. to the Beastie Boys fan base that Yauk wrote in his will, none of my yeah. music will appear in any type of advertising or commercial. And then uh, there's an yeah. article online where they, the uh, director of that commercial wrote the Beastie Boys and they gave the green light. So do you know anything behind uh, that? Not that particular incident, but I know they would okay um, trailers. Like uh, there's mo- tons of them. Right, and I've, I've rationalized that as art enhancing mm-hmm. art. But when the yeah. video game came out, I'm like, well, the video game's kind of like a, a product you would buy at a store. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but they actually, uh, I directed a commercial one time that they, it was a, um, uh, gave uh, license to track for, but it was a PSA. It was to, uh, it was like kind of anti-bullying. They're trying to dissuade uh, kids from using the word gay or, bad, or gay as a negative. Yeah. So. They, like that yeah. totally totally understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the Yauk wheelhouse. Yeah. And when's uh when's the last time you saw the Beastie Boys live? Like post Lollapalooza, would you Ooh. still go out and see them out on tour? Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. When they played New York. I don't know. That's a good question. When is the last time I saw them perform? The the Brooklyn show. They played the Brooklyn pool in Williamsburg. Yeah, the McCarran pool. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's I think the last time I saw them perform. Yeah. Do you remember the the last time you hung out with Yalker the Beastie Boys? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, all together, um, it was uh, not short nine months, I think, before Yalker's passing. He, kind of, I mean, in hindsight, now I realize it was sort of a uh, you know a, a possible divide. He, he used to do game nights at uh, Oscilloscope back in the day. They played mahjong. Oscilloscope is there. <laughs> production company recording studio um and he something he had done some treatment and then cancer had moved and somewhere else and he was about to undergo some really gnarly treatment and i think in hindsight now it was like a make or break moment it was either it was gonna work or it wouldn't and he you know he was gonna and uh, so he had a game night with like a lot of uh, Mike and Adam and uh, Kathleen and old, old friends of Yauks 
and yeah, that was the last time. And in hindsight, I think it was kind of, uh, you know, a possible goodbye. One thing I really remember from that night, I had just, uh, had my, well, I didn't have a, I participated in the birth of my son. He was two weeks old and that was actually the first, uh, night we took him out. I have this distinct memory of, uh, we brought him in and I think Adam grabbed him and put him on a table coffee table and the three beasties were sitting behind him. And I have like this image of my son two weeks old with the three beastie boys behind him. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And I remember saying goodbye to him and like, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to see him. I, uh, I think it was great yeah. what you said at MCA day. You, before <laughs> you played the tough guy music video, you said, well, Yauk, did, Yauk didn't want to release this because he thought it glorified moshing and how it became sort of like this jocular thing. But I'm going to show it anyway. And if Yauk doesn't like it, he can come down and haunt me. And yeah. No one, no one <laughs> laughed at that. And then you said, no, it's okay to laugh because Yauk would laugh at that. He had a sense of humor. Yeah. And yeah. I think people sort of forget about that. They think that they have to speak about MCA in hushed tones. Like, oh, yeah, but I'm like that's that's not yeah. how he lived his life. He was the exact yeah, opposite of that. Yeah, he is like you know you have those people in your life that are just the funniest people you know, and the, he was his comedic timing and like the perverse, not perverse, but the things that he would joke about. He was just like thought differently, you know. Like yeah, a lot of times jokes, you know, they have a specific blueprint and you could kind of, you know, the disparity between your expectations and, and the outcome, right? That's not what they say mm-hmm. comedy is. And he, he, anything could have been funny, you know? And, and a lot of times, uh, if it was just funny to him, you know, if, mm-hmm. he, if it was a joke for him to get, um, like I remember he used to love uh, a couple times, uh, one time in particular, I remember we were at Indochine and Fab Five Freddy was at a table and then Drew Barrymore was at another table and he convinced the uh, the waiter to send grasshoppers, which is like a, a very obscure cocktail, like a cream-based cocktail, uh, to each other and tell them they were from each other. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of watched this situation unfold where like Drew Barrymore looked around, raised the glass, and <laughs> probably equally confused, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I remember, and he was work. always ahead of the curve because I had done work with them through MTV, and then there was a year I was blogging where I felt like I was in the minor leagues. So I interviewed him for gunning for that number one spot, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm blogging now. And he's like, well, you're, are you doing Twitter? And at that point, nobody in the world knew what Twitter was. And I said, no, what's Twitter? And he's like, ah, you know, you just send out like, hey, I'm sitting at a cafe. You just send out like a sentence of something. And then a year or two later, Twitter becomes Twitter. And I thought, holy crap. Like, Yauk knew about Twitter way before anybody else did. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they were, web-wise, they were kind of on on it early. And they mentioned it in the book, right? Isn't there a chapter about that with Mm -hmm. like Ian With Ian, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's what's so disappointing now that the website's not active. But I guess, I mean, part of it is, like, we've all kind of learned, which I didn't realize, Yelp really was the impetus for a lot of their creative sort of, he sort of drove the bus, you right. know? 
which, uh, but his style was so stealth that you never felt uh, you were being, you know, I don't know, manipulated or directed. I don't know if that's the right word, but no, I'm not trying to belittle the no, other guys. No, yes, because the Beastie Boys aren't was, the Beastie Boys with all, you know, that you need all three of them. Yeah, and I think it's evident with, you know, his, as I, I, like I thought about it, I, like I wonder, horrible thing, but if one of the other one. If it wasn't Adam that was taken out of the equation, like what would exist? I mean, I guess he would have sort of continued his film work and sort of dove more into that. Uh, no, I, um, I, I have thought the same thing as well. Yeah, yeah. So before you go, what's your favorite Beastie mm-hmm. Boys album? Uh, probably Paul's Boutique, I would say. I uh, would like check your head a close second and then license to ill but you can't I mean it's hard you can't really have one without the other you know so all right well let, I mean, me, I, let me remind you evan that you're not shouted out on paul's boutique <laughs> yeah i mean ill communication i love that album too uh but check your head was like that was so exciting because it was like oh they're back mm-hmm. and it's new ground and you know in the same regards returning to their roots and it was just uh that was so exciting. And then the um, videos that were coming out supported that. Like, I remember when, before I had met Adam, the uh, debut of Pass the Mic was going to be on UMTV Raps. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, I made my girlfriend stay in that night with me to watch <laughs> UMTV Raps, which was the, the girl whose sister Adam had dated. Okay. Like, What's the big deal? <laughs> it's Adam. And... Uh, and I was not disappointed. I was like, oh, I'll have this back with Avengers. And then I PA'd on a House of Pain video, and I had PA'd on um, Jump Around, so I knew them, Danny, a little bit. And they were listening to a, a, you know, an early copy of Check Your Head in the van as we were wow. driving. And I asked Dan, I said, can I borrow that? And at lunch, I ran home and, and dubbed it. I did like a tape-to-tape <laughs> transfer and just fucking wore that thing out yeah so yeah Danny Boy yeah. has been in a, a Beastie Boys music video he was in well, he was in Shadrack oh yeah that's he was right. yeah, a yeah, crowd yeah. member in Shadrack yeah did he get leveled or yeah he or got he, yeah someone was body surfed into his head yeah 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 that, I I saw that too yeah I love that video and that's uh, you know and that's uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Yes. Sarah, who yeah. Yep. Who did, you know, Little Miss Sunshine and on other movies. Yeah, that was that was great. And they one also of directed biggest... one of my favorite music videos of all time, the uh, coffee and TV music video from Blur. Now, oh, what, yeah, what yeah. were you gonna say yeah. before I cut you off? Uh one of my biggest regrets, you know, I have a lot of them with, with those guys, like, oh I never got them to sign something or I don't have a pick I don't think I have maybe I do. Picture with me with all three of them, you know. Those things you only think about after right. a friend dies is they had some, maybe it was like off of the release of that Criterion Collection DVD. They did an art show downtown and they were selling um, individual paintings of the Shadrack video. Oh. And it was like a hundred bucks or maybe it was in less, like 50 bucks. And I was like, oh, no, I'll just get one from Adam at some point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that one haunts me. Oh no! <laughs> do you have Do you have a favorite piece of Beastie swag though that you currently have? Um, my love blues and laminate. I still have that. Um, 
and occasionally bust it out. Um, but uh, no, I don't know. I have, you know, I have like itineraries and backstage passes and stuff, but no, I have the t-shirt somewhere. But uh, no. Well, you no, know what? Really. You could always take out that green CD or green cassette, pop it into your stereo, and listen to Get It Together. That's, <laughs> that's a nice souvenir to have. Yeah, that's true. So before you go, Evan, I have a homework assignment for you. Okay. I, I would love Tough Guy to be on Vimeo, and then okay. I'm hoping for an Evan Bernard-directed Beastie Boys documentary at some point in time. Yeah, I'd love to yeah, start a gra- gra- uh, grassroots. Yes. A grassroots campaign. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I mean, I think that that stage show is a great in. You know, I think that's a great jumping-off point. Do something like in that style, you know. Because that was the that. that was the first light bulb moment for me when they were showing the video at the the book show. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh yeah, this is the documentary right here. Yeah, like the, with the, the footage, footage of them of, in uh, African Bambada, where he's that like, was hey. amazing. Yes, that was unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> I know they're kind of just denying their, their fans. That's the thing. Like their stuff is so layered, and like me, who the fuck am I? You know. Who, who am I? Like, I remember when uh, Paul's Boutique came out, like, homeboy throwing the towel, you throw that dick by Ricky Towel. I'm like, who's Ricky Towel? And then, you know, <laughs> try to find out who he is. So, I mean, their stuff is so layered with, like, uh, references. Like, in the book, finding out who Tadlock was and Tadlock's right. glasses. Like, that stuff is it's so much fun for the fans. I mean, it's, like, much better. Uh, an inside joke is much funnier when you're on the inside mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that footage was that African man bottle footage was amazing. <laughs> you know, Ricky yeah. Ricky Powell has a documentary coming out about him. Yes. Oh, who, so, who, do you know who? I don't know who's doing it. So, if Ricky yeah. Powell has a documentary, shouldn't the Beastie Boys have a documentary? Something to <laughs> yeah, think yeah, about. So Something to think about. So, Evan, yeah. I, I thank you for your time. We just went over thirty-one minutes. That's it? So you can, yeah, you can bill me later. All right, cool. Yeah, thanks. I hope you got what you uh, wanted out of that. No, this this was perfect. I can't thank yeah, you enough. Of, I love uh, talking about those days and those guys. Yeah, it's an important part of my life. We, we could we could yeah. always have you back, Evan. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, anniversaries yeah, galore. Yeah. <laughs> so for yeah, Evan yeah. Bernard, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. On a one, two, three, though. Are you ready? One, two, one, two, three. Ah! Get ready to bring the brew, ha ha. Get ready to bring the brew, ha ha. Get ready to bring the brew, ha ha.